Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Old Morton, Illinois. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how are you doing today, bud? Doing good, Casey. It, uh, it's going to warm up this weekend, but boy, it's, uh, we've got a little dose of fall this week. So it's mm-hmm. uh, beautiful weather. Um, Labor Day weekend's here. Yep. Markets are uh, uncertain, waiting on what uh, what this crop size is, is going to be. We do every year, but it seems like this year there's more... Uh, uncertain crop size than, than most years. Yep. Yeah, the other most important thing about this weekend, it's September 1st, so most places it's opening day of death season. So. Oh, I thought you were going to say college football starts too. <clears throat> Hunting season, well, that's that's too. That's, that's yeah, the second most go. important thing, right? But it's, it's my favorite time of the year right now, so good I times. agree with you. I good agree times. You. All right, let's talk a little bit about this report that's coming out. So the Pro Farmer tour came out. Every reason for the market to be to be very bearish with the information that came out of the pro farmer report right it was um variable where where they expected it to be it was good where they expected it to be and it was bad where they expected it to be bad right um but with all the russia ukraine overshadowing of what was going on there it, it actually pushed the market lower um not only last week but this week too so I guess is this the September report comes out in about twelve days, and as you're looking at that chip, 
like you talked about, there should be some fireworks that happen in September, uh, on September 12th. Now, whether that's up or down, whatever that looks like, but you would think that there would be some very big upside potential here with this report. Yeah. So I guess, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I would agree with you. I'm going to correct you. You said you said bearish on pro farmer, but I, I'm I think sorry. you meant bullish. bullish. I meant bullish. Uh, yeah. yeah, they they came down from yeah. uh, where the the USDA was. Uh, they're at uh, 172 uh, versus USDA at 175.1. They were sub 50 on beans. I thought that was maybe the most bullish thing about pro farmer. Um, you know, with uh, with uh, USDA being uh, just under 51. Um, but, you know, I would say a couple things with that. We rallied pretty sharply into the Pro Farmer report on the bean market. And so we've, we're on, uh, or we were on prior to this week, almost a dollar and a half rally straight up. So we, we added a little bit of uncertainty and weather premium to the bean market. Um, Pro Farmer gave us a bullish number. We, we didn't rally on it. But I think a couple things are at play there. Number one, we had the end of the month yesterday. And the funds, I think, were taking some profits um, sure. yeah. uh, on the last trading day of the month and right ahead of a long holiday weekend. So this is, what, our fourth one, I think, of the summer where this weather is just uncertain. Yep. You're setting up for some big volatility Monday night or Tuesday morning. And then, as you mentioned, uh, about a week and a half from now, we've got the September crop report. So, um, you know, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's highly variable crop. Um, you know, the one thing that that um, I think is of note here is pro farmer in their projections. They always put a, a, you know, carrot there and they say, this is assuming a normal end of the growing season. And I'm going to argue with you that uh, we're not really having a normal end of the growing no, season. We're not. You know, we're going to heat up um, again. They're, they're going to be North of a hundred this weekend. Unfortunately, in the driest area where they need rain to finish this crop, they're not getting it. They're getting heat instead uh, it's pretty dry over here, too. We've cooled down. You know, we had some record heat here uh, a week ago. It's going to get warm this weekend, the mid-90s. But the, the key here is it, we're, we're ending on a dry note. And producers are now starting to say, hey, my, my corn isn't drying down. It's dying. Uh, mm -hmm. That's not what is conducive to um, holding together, you know, the second or third biggest crop we've ever raised across the, the corn belt, across the country. And and beans here, uh, many areas of beans, just not getting enough rain uh, yeah. over the last 30 days. You know, pods aren't filling, potentially pods aborting. Uh, this heat won't do, uh, you know, northern uh, Iowa, southern Minnesota, any favors. And so that kind of creates all these questions about the September crop report. It is the first report of the year that we get actual field surveys from the USDA. So... You know, they should be starting that actually uh, as we speak here. The last couple days of August, the first three or four days, five days of September is when they do those surveys. And so if there has been any uh, of those issues with yields coming down, shallow kernel, hordes of boarding, stuff like that, they should be able to pick that up uh, in their field surveys. And so to your point, you know, this September crop report really is going to set the stage for some potential fireworks. Number one, I think we're going to see some potential fireworks Monday night and Tuesday uh, uh, coming out of the long weekend, depending on what the forecast says. If yeah. it stays hot and dry uh, out through, um, you know, the second, third week of September, we're out of time at that point. Yeah. You know, it's just it's too little too late uh, at that point. Uh, and so we have some fireworks even 
coming out of Labor Day weekend. And then, you know, then the market will be positioning for the September crop report. And, and who knows, you know, there's arguably there's, there's areas that have received better rains and, and they're maybe just about as good as a year ago. But then there's areas that are uh, kind of falling on their face here uh, over the last 30 days with dry weather. So we're setting up for, um, you know, some potential volatility going right into harvest. Harvest is slowly starting, you know, to the south, southern Illinois, southern Indiana, Kentucky, kind of slowly getting a start in here. And so I think over the next uh, week to 10 days, you're going to also start having some some more harvest data out of that southern portion of the Corn Belt. Yeah. So <clears throat> this last, uh, this week I went to uh, for, to a meeting up in Ames, Iowa. And as I was driving through there, you know, I was taking a look at the at the fields and they weren't as uniform as they have been in the past. You know, there was a lot of tall sections, short sections. I mean, it was just kind of everything. But to your point where you're talking about farmers that were saying, hey, my corn's not drying down, it's dying. There were several fields that I went through driving down I-80 that you could look out in the field and you could see patches of the field that were, it looked like October corn, not early, early September corn. I mean, it was, it was dried all the way down. It was, you know, what you'd expect to put on your porch uh, during Halloween. That's what it looked like. So yeah. it was, uh, some of that stuff was in bad shape and it really, you could really see what they were talking about when you looked through the variability of the field where there wasn't a levelness that you would typically see, you know? And so and, you know, Western Illinois or Western Iowa was one of those areas too, where they they found some of that. You know, Eastern Nebraska is where they found some of that high highly variable, um, you know, crop production kind of rate where they're at. You know, as far as that goes, so it's out there, and it's going to be interesting to see what the USDA comes back with as that as that as that data starts coming back through. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and and. Uh, like I said, there's always uncertainty with yields every year, but mm -hmm. you know, I think with all the variable weather, we've had everything this year. You know, wind, hail, yeah. uh, drought in June, uh, normal weather in July, yeah. drought again in August. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to what you're you're saying there is um, in some of these areas that that finally got a little bit of rain in in July and the first week or ten days of August. You know, they came into it with no subsoil moisture. You know, yeah. especially in the Western Corn Belt. They came out of a drought last year. They weren't really healed up from that drought. Um, they finally started getting some rain, and then the rain shut off again. But it, it we hadn't had enough, um, you know, moisture to kind of recharge the subsoil. So, you know, then the rain shut off again, and you know, it kind of stressed those crops again. And when you, I'm not an agronomist uh, by any stretch, right? I, I could be as wrong as the next guy, but I've been doing this a long time, and. When people say things like, oh, man, this corn's green. I'm never, I don't know when I'm going to harvest. It's going to be, you know, Thanksgiving before I finish harvest. Um, that's kind of the finish you want to solidify big yields. Now people are saying, oh, man, I'm going to start 10 days ahead of when I thought. That's never good. That's always, always, always at the expense of yield, of yield. Uh, yeah. in my opinion. And yeah. so that seems to be what we're rushing into here. In, in fact, I, I talked to one guy. He was going to go to the um, Far Progress show earlier this week. And he's like, man, I was going to go, but it, I walked a few fields and I'm not even ready. I thought I was going to have a couple weeks, but I'm going to have to go to harvest sooner than I thought. So, yeah, you know, unfortunately, and he's one of the, one of the better areas here in part of uh, northern Illinois that receives some better rains and, and then it shut off again. So um, yeah. it's going to be a real wild card and... Um, 
you know, I think the one thing from that pro farmer is corn, if you've noticed very quietly, stopped going down. Wheat mm-hmm. made a new low, uh, just battered every day this week almost. Um, new contract lows in wheat. We had a sell-off in beans. Corn's holding its own in there. So I, I think that potentially the markets may be starting to hear some of these very early yields. And I've heard a couple myself. They've been a little bit disappointing to a lot disappointing. Um, too early to get a real trend from that, though, I, I, I would caution but uh, maybe the market, in the case of corn, is finally saying, maybe we got a little too ahead of ourselves here, thinking we've got a 175, 176 crop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh-oh, maybe there's a chance we're going to end up closer to 170. If we're under 170, not even necessarily on this September crop report, we end up under 170, we're going to get a nice a nice rally attempt um, out of this. and might come, you know, through the middle to tail end uh, of, of harvest. Um Beans are part of this too, and there's just no margin for error on beans. We've talked about this, you know, the domestic demand. We've got basically record crush margins. You're starting to see soy oil heat up again. We're just selling uh, soy meal, uh, massive demand in soy meal because of the drought in Argentina and the effects of that. And and so there's we can't afford to lose one bushel uh, on wheat, or I should say on beans, and. Otherwise, it just gets critically tied on the balance sheet. And so if that's going to be the case, beans haven't seen their highs yet. If beans haven't seen their highs yet, it's going to drag corn along kicking and screaming uh, if if uh, it has to. So there's some things to be positive about. But with that being said, it's the USDA. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if they come out unchanged or they go up a bushel in, in corn, up a half a bushel in beans, that's really going to pull the rug out from under uh, the market bulls and the funds have a pretty long position built up uh, in beans, not, you know, restrictively long, restrictively long, but they're getting a plus thousand contracts long. And so if we can't feed some bullish news uh, that may set the stage for a deeper break into harvest. So it's really critical. This September crop report really could set the stage for, um, you know, what price action does all the way through harvest and beyond. Yeah. So that's my next topic I want to talk to you about. Let's talk a little bit about energy, what you see happening there. Um, you know, oil has done done some pretty remarkable things this week. You got up over that $82 mark and you're up into the, uh, you know, above 85 I think is what you say is about $86 or something like yeah, that. Just under out. $86. <clears throat> yeah. Up sharply here. It looks like uh, we're going to go out basically on the highs of the week, um, 85 86 okay. is the last trade on uh, October crude oil. and. Yeah. Uh, as uh, you know, one of the things driving this is um, we've talked about this. I don't want to be too cynical. Uh, we're trying to refill the strategic reserve. That was a great yeah. trade of all time gone wrong. We yep. did the worst trade of all time. And so, uh, you know, at a time when we've kind of tightened up uh, supplies, at a time that there's still a little bit of geopolitical uncertainty with Iran, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. um, now we're just going to leak out that we're going to start slowly rebuilding the the uh, strategic reserve now that we're back over 80 when we had a you know chance to do it in the 60s mm-hmm. and um three times the market, by the way yeah. the market what's it oh yeah three times three times yeah and um i mean that's a great way to put support in the crude oil market knowing that yeah. the u.s government has their finger on the buy button yep. and so path of least resistance is for hire so yep. surprise surprise here's mm-hmm. where we're at knocking on the door 86 dollars and strong week uh looks like uh on a 
textbook uh, bull flag breakout to the upside on a weekly chart. Next logical targets are uh, in the low 90s. So yeah. uh, that's about the summary of, uh, of crude oil, right? It punishes yeah. the most uh, people and takes the most money. And it's going to take the most money from you and I as U.S. taxpayers because of uh, their great trading ability. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole, whole other podcast sometime. But they have, as you look at where the price is now, it's really going to be starting to be more supportive for ethanol. And we start looking at crush rates. And it's what you talked about. If yep. we go into this, you know, there's a, uh, one of them, I can't remember who it was, did do some uh, lowered from 175 to, I think, 173 and some change or something like that on the uh, on the corn um, uh bushels um average bushels an acre but if you look like you talked about in all the reports coming out about aborted um uh, soybean um uh, pods and those kind of things as you're looking at that you start throwing all of this uh biofuel back into the mix that gets tied pretty quick just like you talked about so i guess as you're looking at where the price of, of diesel and gasoline is right now and oil is right now how do you see that ethanol and bio diesel coming into the play there and what's that look like in your opinion yeah it's screaming higher in the case of um you know uh the the energy products um you know diesel and and uh, unleaded uh, it's playing right into uh profitability we already had a massive crush margins domestically in the united states uh, i mean like two dollars plus a bushel i think the last time i checked they were closer to two and a half dollars a bushel positive margins and so just take that into consideration that Soybean crushers here domestically, we've brought on several plants of renewable uh, diesel over the last six months, say. But beyond that, there's a large crush capacity already in the United States. And it's just a margin business, right? Um, meal and oil are so high relative to beans uh, that crush margins are so positive. It doesn't matter if beans are $15, $16, $18, $22 a bushel in the case of crushers. If it's profitable... They will buy beans, and they will sell meal and oil, and they will lock a profit in doing so no matter what the price. That's a pretty good uh, demand driver. And this rally in the energy products is only breathing some uh, you know, extra bullishness into the domestic crush rates. Our ethanol grind has backed off a little bit. There's been some people saying, oh, that's this demand, and we're not going to have any demand, and we're not exporting anything. It's normal this time of year right ahead of harvest that, Plants take some down downtime. They do some maintenance. They get ready for the new harvest. Uh, so that's going to come roaring back, in my opinion. And you know that's a good demand driver, especially in beans. Uh, I mean, this thing. I, I don't. Um, there's still people out there saying, "Oh, bean demand's too high. Bean demand's too high." Maybe it is. Maybe the exports are going to come down a little bit, but maybe it's going to be more than offset by domestic crush because it's so profitable right now. And all of a sudden, net, net demand, maybe it goes up in beans. So that would shock some people. I know uh, the one real bright spot we've got going right now is domestic bean demand. Um, you know, soy oil, we're selling, a, or I should say soy meal. Sales have been stellar because we're picking up the slack of what uh, Argentina is not exporting. Uh, soy oil, recent nice rally here this week because of the rally in crude oil prices. That's just adding additional... Um, you know, potential premium to the to the biodiesel market. So that's a real bright spot as I see it, especially if the USDA comes out on September 12th and cuts bean yields. Um, 
it could be an explosive, uh, bullish, um, you know, piece of information that uh, that really goes a long way towards giving us uh, a big rally here. And uh, I don't want to get too bold up. I know we're just uh, trading fourteen dollars. That's relatively high price, but. Uh, a, our exports should only start increasing now as we get into harvest and beyond. B, right. crush margins are record, and they're not going away anytime soon. The crushers are going to keep buying beans as fast as they can get them to lock those margins in. So it's a good combination to have. Sure. Right on. All right, last topic here. Let's take a look over at the protein markets when you're looking at, at cattle and hogs. What do you see happening there? And, uh, again, there's a lot of topsy-turviness going on there as well. Yeah, there ha there's been real choppy markets uh, in, in cattle. Um, you know, I think they tried to break this market um, earlier in the week, uh, basically, you know, kind of Labor Day type um, selling sure. into the month, a little bit of fun profit taking, uh, but they couldn't get the job done and it, it rallied instead. So, um, you know, I think the cattle market's on some pretty good footing in here. They've tried to break it. We are off the highs some, but um, I think cattle still look really good to me going into a winter hogs have had some really choppy trade here and you know i think part of the issue with hogs is the deferreds the october and the december uh, have gotten too far um, ahead of themselves too far of a discount to where cash has been and the cash has come down but we had such a huge premium in the deferreds that uh, they they're kind of stretched the rubber band too far so uh, they may have actually uh, seen the lows in the October contract just simply because they got too far ahead of themselves and too discounted compared to where the cash has, even though it's it's broke here over the last two or three weeks. Yep. Okay, man. Well, Chip, good place to stop. Folks, want to reach out to you, get more information about what's happening over at Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just give us a call at our office, 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you. A lot going on here with these markets. Uh, definitely not a time as it gets busy with harvest to uh, put the, the markets uh, on the back burner here because there's a lot of opportunity maybe uh, close at hand here. Okay. Chip, appreciate you being on, man. Look forward to next week. Thanks. Have a, uh, have a happy Labor Day and uh, get some R&R. &R, go hunting, watch some football. I will do all of those things. So I look forward to it. You too, same, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Chip. Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and go over to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast. YouTube will go, go to everything Moving Iron related at movingironllc.com, and you can get all the information about anything you want there at movingironllc.com. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. 
create connected customer experience, and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hard work.